Hey guys, this is another Bite of D&D podcast where we take uh, chunks of D&D content, primarily 5e, and we flavor it uh, in ways that you can take and use in your own campaigns and settings. Um, Today we are looking at yetis. Yeah, so monster aside for just a moment, one of the great things about yetis is where they take your players, because... Uh, if you're introducing a Yeti, that probably means that you're in snow or tundra or on a high mountain range. And I'm excited that that we're getting to talk about that because a lot of times there are environments within the D&D setting that don't get used that often. And so if you're coming to this episode and you're interested in using a Yeti, then that means that, you know, hopefully we'll get, we'll be adding both the flavor of a Yeti into your campaign or into your adventure, but also the flavor of this snow element, which has a whole lot of great um, opportunities in it for both role play, but also, you know, just conditional environmental um, hazards that don't often, that players don't often get to encounter. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of. I just wanted to put that aside, and that I'm excited that that we're taking the time to do this because I think it'll probably encourage people to lean more that way. So, what what do Yetis bring to the table? Um, this is a monster that can be found on page 305 and 306 in the Monster Manual. What makes this monster unique? Let's go over a few of those. Well, one of the the big things I like. Um for a relatively low CR monster, they start out at CR three, and then they do have a uh, a bigger, badder version that we'll get into here in a second. Um, but at even for a, for a lower CR monster, they bring in elemental damage. So when you've got, especially newer players, uh, we've talked about this before, but they tend to hide behind the the, the barbarians, the fighters. Uh, stuff that is more likely to have resistances to uh, that sort of damage. Uh, barbarians in particular are, are often abused as like the party tank and people try to play it like an MMO. And what this does is it, it, it puts some fear in the party because all of a sudden the, the barbarian who's used to shrugging off all these different martial weapons uh, is going to, to start getting hurt pretty quick when he uh, doesn't have any resist to frost damage. And I think that's uh, another exciting point is that you don't want your encounters to grow stagnant and if your party is able to just repeat the same tactics over and over for every single encounter, eventually it's not going to feel like a new encounter it's just going to feel like a new skin on, on, on an encounter they've done four times already. So if you can get something like this in that, that has a new element to it um, into those early adventures, then I think that'll keep your party uh, excited and interesting to see what comes next. And as far as that goes, what I find even more terrifying than and, than adding in that frost damage is the fact that it's tied to a, a one-minute potential paralyze uh, with their chilling gaze. Um, it's 3d6 of damage, which is a pretty hefty chunk uh, against a level 3 player. Uh, and if they fail their save, they are paralyzed for one minute. They do get a save at the end of uh, at the end of the Yeti's turn or the end of their turn, um, so they can try and shake that off every round. Uh, but potentially locking out party members from the fight can very quickly shift uh, the dynamic of the encounter. Yeah, definitely. Um, and 
Yeah, that, that, that is at the end of each of the Yeti's turns. So, I mean, you're at least going to lose one turn on that, which is, which is definitely something. Um, and the beauty of it is as well that they can do that stare and they can, they can claw or however you want to, they can, they, they have a multi-attack and the stare can be part of it. So it's not like they have to do that or attack. They can do both. And that stare, if they can they, do every round, so yeah, that's crazy. If, if they paralyze someone with fear using that stare, they then have advantage on the follow-up attacks with their claws. So these guys are, are pretty scary uh, for a, a CR3 creature. But uh, on the, the back end of that, they do have a couple weaknesses to make up for the fact that they have so much hitting power on them. Yeah, and we'll go into those in just a minute. Um, one of the other things that makes them kind of unique is that they're excellent trackers and they're able to sniff out prey from miles away if you kind of read the flavor text. Um, these big guys are also surprisingly stealthy and uh, as their fur kind of helps them blend in within the snow. So it's easy to make them not just a big bad beast that's lumbering around, but a, a silent stalker in, in the frozen tundra at night. And it can maybe even get a surprise attack in or something like that. I mean, they, they've got a plus three to stealth right out the gate, and they are a large size monster, huge. If you're doing the um, if you're doing the abominable yeti, uh, the other thing you can do to help these guys blend in even more, kind of crank up that tension, is if you've got a blizzard going and your your party's kind of taking shelter from it, is that howl outside just the wind, or is there there more going on? Um, these guys are excellent trackers i mean like he said they can smell from miles away so if it's been a rough year for these guys if, if prey's pretty thin you could very quickly have a a whole pack of yetis converging on your location and what's fun about this uh at least to me is these guys are chaotic evil creatures they they are intelligent uh and they are also fairly individualistic they do not travel in in packs unless they have just made it and have have some young they, they will fight and kill each other in order to try and claim the prey for themselves and you your party could be stuck in this situation where they're they're trying to duck and and run from these yetis as they start fighting over the the right to the kill essentially yeah that would definitely you know you can beef up the cr of that encounter quite a bit by adding a few of them i'll put in a note of caution and that is that when you have creatures like this that have abilities to incapacitate party members even if their cr is low enough to where you think you can get away with it you might be careful and in, in, in throwing a lot of them without thinking through the fact of okay if i have four or five creatures that on the battlefield that can do chilling gaze. All of a sudden now I have five potential incapacitated characters every single round. So while I 100% agree that it, that would be really super cool and that should happen in, in some games as you have these yetis fighting over each other, I would be careful about bringing the full power, even on a higher level group of party members, the full power of five or six yetis directly attacking the party, yeah, I think. That's where you as a DM need to be able to control that situation. If you're bringing in multiple yetis, especially against a low-level party, you need to know that this is really for the player's benefits as they kind of distract each other. They should not be an organized unit against your players unless they're a higher level, unless there's a reason behind it, unless you have an, another plot point there that would cause it. The point of doing this is to add really stress and and a, a high moment for your players as they have to get out of there. But you should not be 
running these intentionally to try and kill them if you're going to start bringing in multiple. No, a way around that could be, you know, make the party the not the only people around. You know, if you had the yetis, uh, a horde of yetis, maybe they're starving, maybe the maybe there's a frost that's come through and wiped out all of their prey. Um, you could have a horde of yetis converging on a mountain village and stealing livestock, st- uh, killing civilians, and the party is hired to help defend it. This is a great opportunity to have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine yetis if you want, and they can be chilling gaze on civilians and other things like that, and that feels completely natural and completely reasonable, and you get to have this mad row of a fight, um, but without the fear of wiping a party because they can't even move for half the battle. Unless your party deems it necessary that they kill every monster that you put in front of them, in which case they will kill themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we? Why don't we kind of with with the note of party killing themselves uh, and a party wipe? Let's talk about the abominable yeti real quick, if that's all right. Yeah. So the abominable yeti is the the bigger, badder cousin of, of these guys. He's a CR nine, and on top of the additional power he has in his stats, in his claws, and his chilling gaze, he gains another ability, uh, which is a cone, essentially uh, breath. It's yeah. chill breath that does ten d eight, I believe, in cold damage to your party. On top of that. They have a DC 18 con save uh, in order to avoid that damage. So it, it's essentially a fireball. They have a chance to avoid some of it, but with a DC like that, oh, it's, it's not going to happen very Especially often. Especially with it being a con save. I mean, you might have one player in the party, one character who dumped a lot of points into con. You know, you maybe your tank, your barbarian, your fighter, something like that. Maybe dumped a ton of points. But at best, he's probably going to have a plus four, plus five to his con and even at that, he's got to roll a thirteen to to avoid this thing, um, and 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 certainly none of the other party are going to have that high. So really, you're looking at fifteen or above for most party members to avoid this breath. And and the fact of the matter is, almost none of the party is going to do that. So that's a lot of crazy good damage right out the gate. Yeah. Now, the the again, the one thing the players have gone for him. Is like the Yeti. The Abominable Yeti keeps that same weakness, and that is their fear of fire. Yeah, let's talk about what that weakness actually is, because that might—that's a pretty interesting. Weakness. Yeah, so this isn't like you have a campfire going and they they run the other direction. If it takes fire damage, it's going to have disadvantage on pretty much all of its attack rolls and ability checks until the end of its next turn. But something like that should not be underestimated because disadvantage is is huge when you can pump it out consistently yeah and this is the reality that the the weak selling point i guess of yetis is that most player characters especially sorcerers and wizards and things like that they have a lot of spells that are fire based i mean you you look up fireball you look at firebolt you look at burning hands different things like that it's like Boom, 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 fire damage, fire damage, fire damage. The most people are going to have something in their back pocket that way that they can just keep on cranking out. And and really, worst case scenario, if they kind of figure out that these things aren't uh, thrilled with fire and all they have is a, a stick from the, the campfire 
they can still singe its fur every round, potentially. There's almost always going to be a situation where they can take advantage of this. The, on the flip side of that, though, they get a plus 11 to hit. So even that, with disadvantage, they're going to be swing, packing a heavy punch and landing a lot of the hits. But anyhow, that's just a kind of an interesting side. Uh, that The Abominable Yeti is a huge monster. So if you think about that, they're about three times the height of a human. You're looking at about a 20-foot tall creature. Now we're talking about a giant that happens to be a Yeti. So that's that's crazy cool, in my opinion. I never thought of the Yeti as that size of a creature. That's definitely not what the myths of our world paint them as. So it's just kind of a really interesting, fascinating take on that character. Yeah, these guys are not just reskinned gorillas. Uh, they have their own language. They are chaotic evil. They, But, uh, yeah, they are intelligent creatures. I mean, they're not brilliant but an eight, eight and a nine for intelligence, that's, even though that's a negative modifier, that's not stupid. Yeah. And, and they can communicate, their, their language is Yeti, so your players are most likely not going to have anything. And even if they are, they're not going to be predisposed to listen to them. And that's a really fun uh, tool to use as a DN is the fact that they have a language. They're communicating, but there's a language barrier with your players. And it gives your players this this forced dilemma of like if this yeti is saying something and and they can't understand it do they take that as a sign of hostility what how do they interpret that um i mean of course if the yeti is attacking them right out the gate then there's a hard, there's not very much point in arguing or debating but if if the yeti uh finds them and starts yelling at them or whatever they have to make a decision about about what they should do and 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 i think that's an interesting turn even if the end result was going to be a fight any which way. Making the players make that decision is really a fun... Well, and it can also put your players in a position of vulnerability they may not have otherwise put themselves in. Maybe someone, like maybe the, the, the paladin or the, the cleric raises their hands in a show of peace and maybe uh, slowly approaches it trying to, to communicate with it and it just gets pounced on. It's a mean thing to do, but your players will learn something. Well, and it's it's something that happens. It it'll feel real, and and just because it's not necessarily mean. Um, in, in the same way as there are people in in our world who think that the correct thing to do when encountering a wild creature is to you know treat it with uh of course treat it with respect, but treat it as if it can communicate with you and is going to be open to you if you're open to it. I mean, there are people that do that in today's world, and they learn the consequences. So uh, I, I think that's a fun element, and you shouldn't feel bad if your players make the wrong decision. You shouldn't feel bad about punishing them for it. Yeah. So ultimately, we feel like these guys are a pretty cool addition to your game. Um, don't be afraid to try something new. Again, finding a cool monster in, in the monster manual can help move your campaign in an interesting direction that it may not have otherwise gone in order for you to, to be able to fit it in there. And there's nothing wrong with with basing your adventure path on, on cool things you found. Absolutely. So for our coinciding post, our Facebook post that connects to this, we're going to be putting up our own variant to the Yeti. Um, and we are from the Midwest. And so saw this as a unique opportunity to bring some Midwest flavor, um, some Western flavor into the game and uh, bring in a Sasquatch, which I think is going to be a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to introduce it into one of my adventures. So for that, all we're really going to do is, I think, going to tweak some stealth and camo, 
maybe give it a little bit more. Um, we'll see as far as that goes. Obviously, we're going to get rid of the fear of fire because I don't think that works if you're removing them from the only snow setting. Um, and then I think we're going to, my thought at least, is we're going to turn the chilling gaze um, into some sort of skunk ape stench or something like that. It's going to have some of the same basic mechanics uh, as far as a save or or whatever. But um, it's going to be a fun little addition. Um, I, I foresee, and maybe Micah has a different idea, but I foresee that this is going to be not a CR3 character, but a little bit higher. So maybe it'll be a good in-between between the 3 and the 9. Give us a good CR4, CR5 creature that you can uh, throw at your party. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, we appreciate you hanging out with us. This is uh, episode 5, and uh, we couldn't be excited, more excited about bringing you uh, this type of content. Right. Uh, we couldn't be excited about it. We could not be excited about it. So uh, our next episode will be released in one week, and we hope that you all will look forward to it and uh, give us a uh, continued checkout. See you.